privilege that we have in this nation to choose our leaders, to influence the direction of the nation. It is, uh, uh, you know, we, because we've been born into it and we live here and, you know, whether we vote or not, we know that things will continue to go on pretty much the same in, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, it's easy to neglect that or to um, <clears throat> despise it, to value it just a little. But it is so significant, and it is also something that's at risk. It is not something that is guaranteed. Um, it is something that we've been given uh, more as a privilege than as a right. And if you neglect a privilege, uh, sometimes those privileges can be taken away. And, uh, in fact, I think we've seen a lot of things taken away even in my lifetime, that uh, uh, things are being redefined that when I was a kid, no one would even listen to the idea uh, of... When I was, when I was uh, young, some of the things that are being debated weren't even up for debate. It, you would have been ridiculed, laughed out of the room if you tried to redefine what marriage was or, or some of the things... Actually, you'd be arrested for some of the things that are now promoted as civil rights. <clears throat> and so in our hands, we have, we have been given a lot of authority. If you'd turn with me to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2. I hope to maybe... Plant an idea in your mind to help you get your brain around the whole process of governance and the role of uh, Christians, uh, the role of God's representatives. And hopefully it's a little different uh, than what you've heard. I personally uh, think that there should be some limits on... uh, I think there's a lot of stuff being said in the name of Jesus and in the name of the church uh, that... I, I actually don't agree with, or I think that there's underlying motives, there's underlying agendas, and I really dislike underlying hidden motives and agendas. And often people are not aware that they're operating out of an agenda or being influenced by sources they, they're not even aware of, but there's all kinds of stuff. You know, people, if you're in the South, you vote, if you're a Christian, you vote a dem- Democratic. It's assumed, <laughs> Okay. Christians in the South are expected to be Democratic. Christians in the North generally are expected to be Republican. And, but, and, and both of them based on their faith. Uh, if you go to a predominantly black church, this is nothing new. I'm not making this up. Uh, you know, they, they think it's Christian to be uh, to lean Democratic. And if you go to a predominantly white church, in general, these are generalities, but you can do the statistics, you can study it, you can do the survey yourself if you'd like. <laughs> You'll find that, you know, white churches tend to uh, uh, vote Republican, evangelical Christian churches. <clears throat> and so just saying one or the other is Christians, not sig- enough. All right? Because that doesn't really define it. And in fact, I think it's the wrong argument. Okay? Um, and that's where I'm going towards, if I can possibly inject some uh, uh, idea into the whole discussion. <laughs> Is that all right? Okay. Proverbs 29, verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, this is from the New King James, 
when the wicked rule or a wicked man rules, the people groan. Everybody give me a good groan. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the idea here of when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Everybody rejoice. Oh, glory. Well, that's what we want. We want rejoicing. We want joy. Uh, and the Bible says that there's a direct connection between righteousness and rejoicing or joy. Okay? And there's a direct connection between wickedness being in authority and groaning or misery or a lifestyle that produces pain and discouragement. And there's a connection here. There's clearly a connection here. The word for authority is kind of interesting. A Hebrew word that's translated here, authority, <clears throat> actually means um, uh, to increase or to multiply. Uh, and so uh, it, it does include the idea of authority, but its, it's basic definition is increase. So increase in influence or increase in quantity, all right, or to multiply. And it happens to be the very word that God used in the very first commandment that he gave in Genesis to Adam and Eve. It says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. All right. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So it's the very same word that's translated be fruitful and multiply that is in Proverbs is translated authority. Okay, and the same idea is communicated to Adam and Eve. It's supposed to rule. supposed to be an authority. And so when righteousness increases or when righteousness multiplies... That leads to rejoicing. But when wickedness multiplies, or when wickedness... Now, the word for rule that we find in Proverbs uh, is a little different, and that means to have dominion, or to govern, or to reign, uh, have power. And that's kind of a, 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 a more direct uh, 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 word in, in, in controlling. The idea is being... Uh, governing over someone. And so when the wicked get into power and they exert their control, their rule, that leads to groaning. But when righteousness multiplies, it leads to rejoicing, it leads to joy. Uh, and that's what God, God's original command to mankind, men and women both, to the family, is that we are to live in authority over the earth. We as uh, representatives of His... Uh, are to establish authority, but it's authority through righteousness. All right? Does that make sense? Proverbs, uh, let me read it in a couple of different translations. I, I really like the Young's literal translation. And, and what's interesting with this translation, it's not used much, is that rather than trying to make the words uh, into English sentences with correct uh, verb, noun, all that stuff in order, uh, Young's just literally translates word for word out of the Greek or Hebrew. And so the uh, sometimes the meaning is a little switch around, but here it, it's really clearly expressed. It says, In the multiplying of righteous of the righteous, the people rejoice. Okay, in the multiplying of the righteous, the people rejoice. 
And in the ruling of the wicked, the people sigh. Everybody sigh. I like sound effects. <laughs> Probably in the New American Standard, when the righteous increase, it's that same word, authority or increase or multiplication. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. And in the NIV, when the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. So when righteousness thrives. <clears throat> okay, so here we have uh, an election coming up. But the whole idea of democracy and what uh, used to be called the great American experiment was that <clears throat> we are not electing a ruler to rule over us. All right? We are electing a representative to represent us. Okay? <laughs> and I think that that whole idea is completely lost. Uh, people think that we elect someone to be in charge. And we've lost the idea what the founders, and actually just what the word used to mean of citizenship, where we are responsible, that we are in authority. All right? And that's why there's an election system. And prior to this, it wasn't just the general population. It was either the monarchy, the, the descendants of a king and or a queen that was in power because of their lineage uh, or an aristocracy <laughs> uh, or uh, in some other means a, a, a higher class of people, maybe the wealthy uh, rule. But the great American experiment was that, hey, everybody has a voice. In fact, an equal voice in choosing the representatives that govern. But we're not just selecting someone and say, okay, you're in charge, you fix all of our problems. All right? You rule over us. That's abdicating our rule and our authority. All right? But that's unfortunately what I get the sense that most people have. Uh, in the election, is like they're in charge. Oh, bad! they did really horrible. It's their fault. Let's get somebody else in charge. Oh, they do good or bad. You know, and we forgot the idea. Wait a minute. The way it's supposed to work is that we're in charge. And that we have shared authority and that brings shared responsibility. And we do have the uh, responsibility and the authority to influence this process through the election. Now, it's far from perfect. I actually have some major gripes with <laughs> the whole election process, of which I will spare you, all right? <laughs> One of my biggest gripes is that... <laughs> is that, like, nobody even knows how it works, all right? I mean, I bet you if I polled, there's, there's one particular part that... Uh, and everybody I talk to, like, people haven't even heard of it, even though it's probably the biggest influencer of, of who wins an election. People don't even know how it works. <clears throat> and so the level of ignorance in, of, in the electoral process is, is, is our fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not like it's someone else's fault that we don't know how our own system works. When our forefathers fought and died to 
create a system where you and I can have the say as to who represents us. And then through generations of neglect, it gets taken back out of our control. It's not completely out of our control, but it is uh, in part. And that's that, you know, so even though it suffers from corruption and it's not perfect in any form, and, and I really have a problem with people equating Americanism with, like, the kingdom of God, <laughs> which some people actually do, or like, you know, the true Christian light in the world is American government. I'm like, excuse me, you guys, like, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a line there that we can't cross. That you, you don't want to confuse. Nevertheless, we do have huge influence. And we are, a, you know, for the most part, a nation that God has chosen to use to propagate the Christian faith to the degree un, unlike any other nation in history. We've sent out more missionaries and more money to fund the expansion of the kingdom uh, over the last 250 years than anyone else in the world. We're not the only one. And we probably won't stay this way. The, the center of Christianity is moving. There's more Christians by far in Africa and Asia than there are in America. And the West is declining. But right now we still are a Christian nation. I have friends all over the world and, and a good pastor... Uh, in England, you know, every time I talk to him, he just says, you don't understand, you don't get it. Uh, uh, because I try to communicate how how far America has fallen. And, and he said, man, you don't even know what you're talking because England is so much farther. Uh, and and the Christian roots of that nation uh, has, has so much been removed, purged from society in general. He says it's it's unbelievable. And, and he looks at America and sees how Christian we are as a nation. Uh, yet, uh, uh, <clears throat> so I, I tell him we're going where you are, and he says you're right. You know we are, unless we make a change, unless the, the nation changes. And this is what I'm trying to get to: is that the application of this verse, Proverbs 29, uh, which I'll read again: when the righteous are in authority, or when righteousness increases, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. The application is not merely which of the candidates are the most righteous or are righteous or not righteous, or which one of the issues are the most righteous or righteous or unrighteous. It's whether we are. Okay? Because who's in charge? We are. And so if the nation in general, if the people that make up this nation continue to sway and become more and more unrighteous, it will lead to more groaning. Okay? It will lead to a reduction in the level of rejoicing. It is not just the people we elect, but we're the ones who are responsible. That's what this verse means. And when righteousness increases or multiplies, that's what makes a change. All right? Um, The righteousness or lack of the people or the population will determine both who is elected and whether or not it'll lead to rejoicing or groaning. All right, does this make sense? If, if there's a general consensus, if, if the majority of the people are voting from uh, godly principles, that's going to influence the election. But if the majority of the people no longer uh, embrace godly principles or no longer even know what that means, then that's going to affect the election. But it's not just the elected officials' fault. 
Okay? They don't bear the responsibility. We bear the responsibility. Because we, as a whole, have been given this opportunity to exercise a vote and select our representatives. We can have only a marginal effect on national and state politics as an individual. Try to bring this down to an individual thing. So what I'm saying, let me just clarify. I think it's important to look at each candidate and to determine. Now, they both say they're Christian uh, and presidential candidate, and then you have all these other candidates running. You know, <clears throat> So you have to look and say, well, which one represents the values that I embrace the values that I believe that God's uh, uh, told you know communicated to me and and make your decision on that and that's important that's why we played the video go out and vote your vote counts right um, <clears throat> and that should influence your vote it should be the primary thing that influences your vote but we only have a very limited effect on the national poll on the national votes and even in state elections. There's 9 million people in, in Michigan. And, uh, you know, so we have a little bit of effect. It's an important effect. And if all Christians throughout the nation would, would actually get out and vote, it would have a tremendous effect on the uh, election. But I'm talking individually, you know, you have a limited effect. <clears throat> it's vital that we uh, exercise that effect uh, by being informed and voting according to our conscience. Failing to do so is actually neglecting that duty, which is a form of wickedness. You know, it's, it's, it's not being righteous to neglect uh, a responsibility that God's given you to rule. Does that make sense? Okay, what will that lead to? Let me hear it. But if we're righteous, what will it lead to? That's great. You guys are great. I like having fun. Okay, but we okay, we can have limited effect, but we can have substantial effect, okay, upon the righteousness in our own lives and those who have influence upon. Alright? And this is where I believe this is where this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the future of our nation, our our this generation, and even the population of the planet will be affected the most when Christians embrace the fact that they have substantial effect upon their own level of righteousness or lack thereof and those that they have influence upon. And when we live, when righteousness multiplies, when you live a life that increases in righteousness, when you make day-to-day decisions that are based on God's principles and live in a righteous way, and you make day-to-day decisions to not embrace ungodliness, not practice sin, not practice unhealthy thought patterns and reject evil. And, you know, <laughs> the, the, it's like what you choose to watch or the movies you go to multiplies that. All right? And so it's, it's like people blame the media, but the media is there just to sell commercials. All right? I'm telling you, some people, and yes, there are forces that influence that, but whatever pays the most money, that's what's going to be on TV the most. All right? That's how the world works. Because it's an ungodly. Jesus said they're more smart about money than Christians are. All right? That's how it works. And so it's more, it is an influencer in society, but it's a reflection of society. 
So when you make choices each day, you have a huge influence on the level of righteousness that you're either increasing or the level of wickedness that you're increasing, which will lead to, as the righteous multiply or increase, the people will rejoice. Does this make sense? And you have incredible influence to those around you. And I, I just brought back a, a memory <clears throat> from when I was in college. And I was, you know, on fire Christian after my, my second year. <laughs> First year was the opposite. <laughs> but, you know, and it was right in the midst. Oh, it was the early 80s. So the abortion debate was really, really uh, fiery right back then. And, and I don't know if you all remember the last day's ministry, Keith Green and... They did this really, you can still get the track about abortion. It still is powerful. You know, um, so I had this great idea. We'll take, we'll put this track, we'll give it to every college student on campus by mailing it to them or putting it in their mailboxes. <coughs> and uh, I did that. We, me, I, the group from the church, we bought 5,000 tracks or whatever and distributed them to all the dorm rooms and, you know, got some hate mail and that was all right, you know. And and I was pretty passionate about arguing the debate. And, but what what I remembered was there was this young woman that I had argued the debate, and she was clearly pro-choice and defending it. Uh, and I got nowhere in trying to convince her. And then sometime during the semester, she got saved. She had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, committed her life to the Lord, and you know what? Without one discussion, she was pro-life. I'm serious. That doesn't happen to everyone. but And it shocked me. Because, like, I didn't even, it, like, I didn't even have to say, remember what I said? <laughs> yeah. She just was like, it just changed. Her heart changed about the unborn simply be, by becoming Christian. All right? Simply by committing one's life to the Lord and having a genuine encounter, not just getting religious, but having a genuine encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes so much about how we think about things. That's righteousness increasing. And you can do that. When we were in Japan, three people came to the Lord in a totally ungodly nation. All right? You can have the effect and the people that you have influence on, you can lead people to the Lord. You can increase their understanding of God's Word and what it means by your example and by sharing God's truth. Is this making sense? And by doing that, you can influence this nation, I believe, in a greater way than uh, (coughs) uh, just electing an official, even though that's important. Or another example, look at this financial crisis that we're in. You know what it's the result of? It's not the result... I understand that there were mistakes made in government, okay? And all, you know, ideas have consequences, and some ideas had bad consequences. But really, I've seen this for years coming. I've seen people get mortgages. that I'm like, how in the world are they going to afford that? You know? And the houses just kept getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, I got the same letters, in the mail saying I could refinance and for a lower payment get a bigger house but I read the fine print you know a lower payment for two years interest only you know I'm like what are they and I could not believe the number of people hopefully none of you did it 
but that, that bought into this idea. I just couldn't believe it. And sure, it all f- falls in. And now we all suffer because, not just because some government official made the wrong decision, but because millions of Americans made stupid decisions. All right? And now we're stuck with this huge mess. You know? Wow. Okay. Amen, brother! <laughs> so much so much energy and effort and money is expended upon an election, and that's good. It's good that Christians are, influ- uh, are, are involved in the electoral process, but if we would expend the same amount of energy and mental concern and prayer about living righteously day to day and communicating God's righteousness day to day and increasing righteousness in our communities and our schools and our neighborhoods and our families. Let me tell you, the effect would be exponentially greater than just getting the right person in the office for a couple of years. All right. I got one amen out of that. All right. And I believe that the elections would then be changed as a result. Uh, Hallelujah. I believe it's the only way that we can reverse a downward cycle of, of degeneration that we see in our society. It's not, you know, government, I've said this many times, uh, uh, in order to multiply righteousness, we can't look to the government to do that. All right? The government's not going to make anyone more holy or more righteous. It's not something a government action can implement. It's something that we as individual believers, we are the light, Jesus said. Don't hide under a basket. Let your light shine. In the election, yes, but every day. All right? And in your own life, are you, is your life representing righteousness? Uh, <clears throat> I think that the biggest part of the, the problem is that as a nation, we don't even know what right is. You know, and in fact, even if you say right, people think I'm talking about a particular political, you know, side, as opposed to uh, morally right and morally wrong. Because for many, many years, there's been an undermining of the idea that there is objective right and wrong that we can make a decision based upon. And uh, relativism is so encroached in our society. That young people, especially now, don't even you know think it's wrong to think that there is right. It, they really do. To say that there's a there's something that's objectively right, someone would say, "Well, you can't say that. That's wrong to say that." Of course, they believe they're right in saying that. <laughs> Which you know, like, why don't they see that? <laughs> but uh, it's an argument that many people have. Uh, we can make a change. We can influence that through living righteously and through uh, uh, influencing those that we have influence upon. You know, And you never know who's watching you. Listen, you don't know who's watching you. There are people watching you, judging your life. Uh, and you can have an influence by choosing righteously. Uh, and it's okay to speak into the political uh, arena and to voice your opinions about issues. I think it's important. Um, I think you need to do it with respect, not out of fear. Uh, uh, I don't believe criticism is ever of God. Okay, if you're criticizing a candidate, I don't. That's not right. Promote the candidate's agenda that you agree with. 
communicate the positive of this is what this is. Criticism is, is different than judging and saying, I think they're wrong in this area. But just criticism isn't good. You know, uh, uh, it's destructive. Am I making sense here? All right. <clears throat> uh, you'll have, I'm trying to help you have greater strength and increase your influence by getting you a better strategy. All right, so the application in closing is one, vote according to righteousness because we want righteousness to increase. And there are issues and agendas that are evident uh, that I think we have the opportunity to influence. Uh, But don't put your hope for change. Everybody's talking about change. The government can affect very little positive change. They can restrain evil to some degree. But I believe righteousness will only increase through the gospel, through the word of God, through Jesus showing up and changing people's lives. And that's the call. Multiply righteousness in your life and in the lives of those around you. That's the goal. All right. And certainly pray. Can we just close in praying for the election? Father, we thank you that uh, you've given us this uh, great uh, opportunity and that we live in a nation that we can choose our leaders where most people in most nations have little or no influence at all. And Lord, we ask forgiveness for the sins of this nation and for neglecting our opportunity to vote in many times and for the errors uh, of this country, which are uh, many. Uh, and we ask for grace upon this nation that you would influence this election from the lowest of local officials to the highest office in the nation. But we confess that our trust is not in princes or in governments, but our trust is in you. And we believe that whatever the outcome, we can have confidence that your will will be done. And that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we ask for mercy uh, to triumph over judgment in our nation and that the election will result in a greater freedom for the gospel and a lifting up of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Sarah is going to come up and give some announcements. Good morning. Whoa. Hello. All right, if you're a guest with us today, we welcome you. Thank you so much for coming. This is going to be loud, I think. The perforation worked. Um, as you can see, when you got this bulletin, there is a, a, a connection card, formerly known as the Let's Communicate card. It is now the connection card. This is a, a great cool. change. Wow. It's, ama- it's amazing. <laughs> uh, and you can take this connection card, fill it out, and bring it to the connection counter, which is in the back of the, sur- the sanctuary. Or you can get a gift from us to you. We'd really appreciate you coming, and we thank you for it. Okay, um, let's see. We just have uh, a short announcement, one announcement. This is like a record. I don't know how long it's been since I only had one. But it's angel food. There are orders being taken today. I think there's one other week that you can order for November, and then it's done. Um, But today the Muse Cells will be taking those in the family room today. Okay? All right, let's take the offering. This is great. All right, if you'll join with me in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for your love for us, Lord. And we just uh, we thank you for how we can feel that today in this service. And we just pray a blessing over this offering, Lord.
And we pray a blessing over this church. And I just pray that you would continue building your church. And we we bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Who wants to hear from the Japan team? Who's excited about the trip? Yes. Graham and Jill, if you'd like to come forth. Well, hello, everyone. Well, we are recovering from jet lag still. Thirteen hours is a long dif- difference in time. Night is day and day is night, literally. So, oh, wow. But we had a great trip. If you were on this year's Japan trip, why don't you just stand up for a second? Let everybody see your amazing smiling faces. Okay, so keep standing. Keep standing, keep standing. If you have been on the first, this is the third trip we did this year. If you were on the first trip or the second trip, why don't you stand as well? Because I'd like to see everybody that has been to Japan. If you've been to Japan with us, Chloe, Dan Salerno, look at all those people. Isn't that great? So many of us. Kathy. Wow, John and Amy came with us. Wow. Well, that's great. Well, you may be seated. Well, we go to Japan to minister to Pastor Dennis and Kaku, and Dennis used to be part of this church a long time ago, and every year we go to, to bless their church and to bless them personally, and we, um, as in previous years, we did uh, a lot of prayer walking, a lot of interceding. Uh, we went to a lot of high places, again, um, there's spiritual significance to high places, uh, everywhere but in japan when you go up to mountaintops or when you go to high places you see uh, shrines you see temples so we strategically go to those places uh, to pray we also celebrate communion just like we did this morning as a as a team we celebrate communion and we proclaim um the lord's victory everywhere we go everywhere that we worship and uh we got to go to a and to do communion at a, a very large temple, Buddhist temple in Tokyo this time. We spent more time in Tokyo than we had in years previous. And that was a really, really uh, great uh, time just to be able to pray. And um, at just a really, really strategic site. We were able to minister in Dennis's church, a Wednesday night service, a Saturday night service, and a Sunday morning church service. And um, it was amazing. You know, there was, especially on the uh, the Saturday night, there was about 40 to 50 people there, and about 10 of them were, were guests that Kaku was like, I've never seen these people before. Can you imagine, you know, a quarter to a fifth of the church being completely brand new? And, you know, they heard the gospel, and there was uh, at least one person heard the gospel just one time and gave his life to Christ. And, you know, sometimes I think we believe they've got to hear like 15, 20, 30 times. But, you know, people can hear once and just give their lives to Christ. This guy had no frame of reference. He'd never been inside a church, never even heard of Jesus, and just gives his life to Christ. Isn't that amazing? So that was very exciting. <clears throat> and then the Sunday, um, Cameron preached a word about um, the spirit of love instead of a spirit of fear, and it was a really great message, and two more people came up for prayer to receive salvation. Isn't that amazing? Just God has really ministered. And they were Japanese men, which is just culturally amazing you know we've we've seen um, a lot of uh, Japanese women and other nationalities there's Brazilians and Filipinos and and in the church as well but for Japanese men to come is really something uh, just culturally so that was really great and we just really felt this time and this is the third year we've been and we really just felt the deepening of the relationship the bond between this church and Dennis and Kaku's church Hope International Fellowship and really just starting to see the, the fruit come from the trips that we're doing just going back and going back and we just felt a softening of relationship and also a softening just as we prayed in the, in the, in the region um, 
So that was just really, really good. And um, it was really good to be able to pray with Dennis and Kako and encourage them personally. They've, their church has grown numerically, but they've really felt under attack this last year. And so to be able to come and just uh, pray with them and encourage them, we spent an afternoon just worshiping and we kind of like forced them to lie on the floor and just receive from God and just to soak in his presence. And we really believed that there was a lot of breakthrough in that time. So it was, it was really good just to, to encourage them personally. We want to thank you for, if you gave... Um, to Dennis and Kaku, if you gave to anybody who was on the team, we just want to thank you. Without, without you giving, it's impossible for us to go. So that is really good. And we know that the money we were able to give to Dennis and Kaku really blessed them as well. So we have a video. Are we all set? We're all set. We want to show you some images. So I've not even seen this, but we want to show you some images from the trip. So we hope you enjoy.
right, let's give William and Heather a big thank you for putting that together. And I just want to invite Kerry. We're just going to finish with a, a testimony. And you saw a lot of the sites and, and uh, just being able to bless their church. And you saw some of the places that we ministered, some of the temples and shrines as well. But just ask Kerry to share just whatever you feel like about the trip. And we'll finish with this. to say um wow there was so much like every moment that we were occupied there's something to say about it but for me personally i felt like it was almost like a completion of a circle in my life because dennis is important to me he was instrumental i'm gonna cry again ah I, I swear, on this trip, I was either laughing out of control or, like, crying all the time. I think everyone on the on the team probably thinks I'm nuts, which is true. Yeah, sometimes at the same time. Anyways, but maybe, I don't know, I'll just share this. Um, what I shared, I got to share this in his church to his congregation. It was really kind of cool. Um, Dennis was important to me because when I was young and first came to RCA, he was the youth pastor there. And and I had been saved when I was nine, and I had prayed privately to be filled with his spirit when I was probably 11. And um, But I really hadn't started following Jesus. Like, I was saved, but I wasn't pursuing him. And I was young, but really that's no excuse. I mean, you can see little kids who you know, are on fire for Jesus and know what they know. And so when I came to RCA, um, Dennis was very passionate um, for the youth and very passionate about worship and very passionate about prayer. And um, it was through his example that I began to actually follow Jesus because I wasn't too young to follow Jesus. And, um, you know, I think that the things... that I love about the Lord and the things that, um, you know, just the passion that I have for worship. And that's the way I really connect and just hear from God. I think I have him to thank for it because he was an example to me and his passion stirred up mine. And so to be able to go over there and minister in his church and bless him, um, it was really amazing and humbling and, um, just, yeah, it was a pleasure to lead worship in his church. It was a pleasure to lay hands on him and bless him and pour into him and prophesy over him. And you could tell it meant a lot to him, too. Like, we both cried a lot together um, over the course of the trip. And just spending the time, I felt like um, I reverted back to childhood. You know, I was sitting in the front of his car. You know, we were just there together, enjoying each other's company and messing with each other. And it was really, it was just great. It took me 17 years to get there, but we just picked up where we left off. And that is the uniqueness of being in the body of Christ um, and sharing that common belief and that love. It just doesn't go away. So it was just amazing to me, just every step of the way, every moment, it was just a blessing to me, and I really felt like I was able to pour out um, from a place of rest and a place of freedom. It wasn't hard, um, and it just it flowed, and 
I have way more many stories, but for me, I think that's the biggest thing, just being able to go there and minister to him in a like manner that he ministered to me and shaped my life. It was, it was amazing. Oh, yeah, it was great. So uh, it was neat to see the effect that they had on each other. Well, we, you know, we can all have that, and we will be going again, as well as other mission opportunities. We always go at least one or two trips every year. So uh, plan on it, and it'll change your life, and you can change other people's lives as well. So would you stand? Oops. We have available the prophetic ministry on the this side. Stay. Stage left, your right side, and we have the prayer team available. Pray for any of your needs, sickness, or just you want more from God. They, they're trained, ready to minister to you. Or if you want to receive a prophetic word, you can go over there and do that. Uh, otherwise, you can uh, be dismissed, grab your kids from children's ministry, but uh, greet someone on your way out. Let them know that you're happy they're here and that you're here. All right? Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>